Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. Rachel, how are you feeling? I feel much better. Now, I for those of you who don't know, I had the flu. Probably still do. I'm still at home. I had two strands of the flu. Uh, A and B. Didn't even know that you could get two at the same time. And despite us putting out an announcement on Twitter, people were very upset that they didn't know we didn't have a podcast. I apologize, guys. I should, you know, we'll do better make it an announcement. But as you can tell, this voice is a million times better than what it was on Monday. Van, you heard it. Yeah, she You immediately talk. were like, no. <laughs> you get, no. Rachel, you get, you get. I'm worried about no. you. You get no, you get man, sick a I lot. I've been sick since January. Like you, I've been sick since January. You like you 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 get sick a lot. Like you, are you eating enough apples and shit? You eat apples, man. What? You, not really. But <laughs> you, you, you have a very fragile voice. I do have a fragile voice. My voice does get hoarse. Yeah. Um. But I didn't know I had the flu. And as I told y'all on the last podcast, I was going to be hosting a Cowboys watch party. Good thing you didn't come, Van, because I had a house full of people. And I was yelling at the TV. People stayed for hours after. We were were having a good old time. I was drinking. And I think that's what just took me to another Kicked it into high gear? Kicked it all the way into high gear. Gave me the original and the remix version of this of the flu. I think you're sick because of the football you had to watch. That's well, I'm pro- sure that didn't help. That's Thanks, Van, for making what's, me relive last weekend. What's going to go on? What's going to happen in Texas, man? What's going to happen with the Longhorns? What's going to happen with the Cowboys? I'm not even trying to be a troll. I'm just asking because I know some of my I Texas mean, fans are very unhappy. It's not like we didn't play a really good team. You know, it's not like we lost to somebody who's not ranked. Uh, we knew it was going to be a challenge going You're into that game. always talking about this ranked shit. You lost to TCU at home when you were favorited. Like, you, they, they should have okay, won that game. But we should have won the game. Yeah. But it's not like it wasn't a possibility that we wouldn't win. Right. I don't know. I'm out of excuses. Right. I don't know what to say. What year is this for Sark? Is this two or three? It's only I can't two. even it's remember. Only two. And they're, they're, it's they're, two. they improved Usually, from last year. Yeah, they, they improved from last well, year. They're you don't down. have that much time in Texas. Like, they expect 10 season wins. They coach three and out. Right. Charlie Strong, three and out. Yeah, but that was different. Who was after him? Who was after him from Ohio State? I can't even think of Herman. Tom Herman. Yeah. Herman. Herman, he was two. I don't even think he was three years. He was two and out. Yeah. Sorry. It's like, you got to, you got to, I don't, you got to produce at Texas. We don't have patience. And especially with the new quarterback coming in next year, which will be interesting to see because Quentin's really good, which will be interesting he's to see. He's not really good. He's, he's playing okay. Quentin, yours. So you guys have a lot of quarterbacks down there that everybody thought. So you have Arch Manning coming in. Who, it's the story. It's the story I, look, of Texas. I, look, I can't. I quarterbacks. Can't, I can't wait for Arch Manning to play so you guys can realize what's what what's happened. Well, they want a new coach with Arch. I don't know. Why would they get a Why would they get a new coach with Arch? Arch. Arch I Arch. can't. Ex- I'm just telling you, Texas doesn't have the patience. We shall see. We shall I would see. want Stark to stay another year. Yeah. Whatever. We lost. Cowboys lost. Definitely shouldn't have lost that game. That was an embarrassment. <laughs> Only thing I can say is we were cold. We were cold. 
We didn't have Zeke, but not that that matters because Pollard's better anyway. I don't know. Van Der Esch went down for a quick second. I don't know. I don't know. I, we, I, uh, we're not I, doing. I, we're not hot. I, I did. I did the unthinkable to come do this podcast today. So I started playing a game of Madden, and I do something in Madden. Whenever I see like Lamar Jackson, like I get scared they have him, so I like go overboard. You know what I mean? Like I'm like. Uh, got to spy the QB and do all of this stuff. And this guy's just dropping dimes. He was up 21 in the first quarter with Lamar Jackson with me. 21. Then he went up 35 to 7. Well, okay. I scored in the second half. I scored in the second quarter. Then I got the ball back in the first on the first possession of the second half. And I scored. Kicked it to mm-hmm. him. He went for it on fourth down. I stopped him. Got it back. I scored. And I like like I was I had come all the way back, and it was time to do the podcast, and I had to concede the game to get on here. I was about to pull one of the greatest comebacks in Madden history. I had his number. I had figured all his shit out. I was going to come back and win that game, and I had to cut the shit off to come and do the podcast. Very Wait, exciting. were you playing against yourself? I was playing against. I was playing online. Oh, because you were like, you had, I thought you said you had Lamar Jackson. No, then you were like, they had going Lamar Jackson. Him. This guy okay. had Lamar I was Jackson. Like, so he had Lamar Jackson. Yourself? And I was, okay, mm, disgusting. This guy had Lamar Jackson and, uh, and. It's a hot toddy. And you, you're drinking a hot toddy? No, I'm saying that because you said playing with yourself. Like you're, you're, you're. Just, okay. You're let's, let's grow up. You just, let's uh, grow let's up. Let's grow up. Whoa. You're talking weird stuff. Um. Shout out to Diallo Riddle. Brilliant, brilliant man. Southside show, Sherman's showcase. Diallo Riddle, amazing writer. Shout out to Diallo Ambershear. Diallo was going to be on the podcast on Monday, but Rachel got sick. I'm sorry, Diallo. So we have to reschedule Diallo. Diallo will be coming up, I think, was it on the, the like the first or 28th. something like that? 28th or something it's like the that? First. It's the first. It's the first. So Rachel doesn't even know. Like, look, you, you, it's funny. It, it's funny when people think that, like, people don't understand like the dynamics of the podcast. People don't. <laughs> people, if, if people what only knew. What are you knew, about to say? No, I'm not going to say. What are you about to if say? People only knew. If people You've only already knew. started. Oh, I'm the problem. Let's just say like this. It's fifty fifty. At times, oh, I am the problem. Donnie. Oh, it's just been a while. It's just been a while Donnie. for you. At times. Lately, it's been me. I've scheduled a flight, messed up the time. It's been me lately. Rachel did I was the sick. Rachel, Rachel, forbid. Rachel did the podcast one day from a cave in Afghanistan. <laughs> she was like, she was like, she's on the side. She's like on the side, like, like you can hear people making airport announcements in the background. <laughs> Some of us make bigger sacrifices. Some of us just put pause on a game. Mm-hmm. Some of us didn't put pause on actually a quit. find a hole in the I, middle of the airport to the podcast game. for for. I, the thought warriors i love this and i'm looking at it and i'm like damn because at first i'm like because here's the thing with me i never i have a thing i never quit a game okay so if and my friend uh my my cousin rara shout out to rara one day me and rara were playing madden and i was i just couldn't stop him i couldn't stop him so it got to the point you know he's talking all of his shit He's doing his thing. It got to the point to where I was playing out of spite. 
I was playing out of spite, but also mm-hmm. I was downloading information. I remember I lost that game, some crazy big number, but then I came back and beat them three times in a row. So I never quit. I never quit. I take my lumps. I, I have a good Madden record, so I never quit. I take my lumps. And it, But in this game, it was different. I had figured this son of a bitch out. He was taking advantage of the fact that I was scared of Lamar Jackson and I was over blitzing, playing too much man coverage. So he was just like taking advantage of coverage busts and throwing over the top of my head. Then I made him start quarterbacking a little bit and I started getting in his ace. Oh, yeah. But I cut that off to come do the podcast, man. I feel like you needed to say that so you feel better about um, leaving the game. I was only down one score. I know, and you wanted people to know that, so you and feel if I, like if I know. stop him, if I if I stop him again, baby, we and he was gonna be so he, I was gonna make this nigga quit the fucking game forever. So like some 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 chubby black bastard came back on me when I was up. Oh, I couldn't can score. He see you? No, he can't see me, but he can feel that okay. I'm fat. <laughs> I feel like now. I feel like now. Uh, stop. I, I feel like now. People just know, you know. Either, no, like pe- pe- people say stuff on the podcast they're like van van breathing so hard he sounds nasally that's because it's like blubber in my nose passages you know in my throat i'm like my throat is fat so you can feel it they can feel it on the other side i know that they can feel it anyway um did brian get sick how's brian doing i saw him in a suit on instagram brian's fine we've really been living separate lives this entire month of november really? he had covid interesting hmm. He had COVID, and then I now have the flu. So right. he's good. He's good. You think good. he gave you the flu? You think he... I, I, I am holding on to that. Mm. Mm. I, I do say I think somehow whatever his COVID, it turned, it, it, it fell onto me as the flu. down mutated. It mutated. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I do. Yeah. So when you guys are apart because of sickness like this, what happens? Like what goes on in a relationship? Do you order Postmates or something? Well, we, we're big postmates. We're big postmates orders. Period. What does he order but from like, postmates? Because he got apps. I bet, no, no, no. He actually does um, meals. He uses this this company called Factor, and he does. Oh Jesus Christ! All right, let's move on. His own man. meals, or he does Butcher Box. But we've been separated. I do. I, I've been eating a lot of chicken noodle soup. Mm-hmm. Um, sold on the but side. But it was sold on the side. No, with promethazine on the side. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> That's what they gave me. I'm sick. I'm really sick. Well, Rachel, wait, 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 Rachel, hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. Wait, Rachel, you got some promethazine over there? <laughs> you, oh, hold on. How much promethazine you got? Hit me up. Hit me up. How much promethazine? <laughs> wait a minute, man. How much promethazine? <laughs> Even the pharmacist looked annoyed when he had to give me the promethazine. He was like, "Do you have the flu?" Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, fool, you said they called it in for me. I got the, I got two, two strains of it." He was like, "Okay, this is what you need to do." Yeah. When I looked at the bottle, because she didn't tell me, she just uh-huh. goes, "Oh, I'm gonna give you a a cough, a, something for your cough." Uh-huh. And I looked, and I was like, "You gave me promethazine." I'm gonna come over. That's a look. I'm gonna go to the store. I'm gonna grab some Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> and I used to, I used to use, I used to use Fanta with Strawberry. The I used nah, oh, no, I used to use, I used to do Fanta with the, Strawberry with the Jolly with Ranchers. With, I, with the I, Jolly I, Ranchers for sure. You can't, my, you can't fuck with my mix. <laughs> I just had the Fanta Strawberry. Maybe not. I, I, I never did Jolly Fanta. Ranchers in there with there. Put it in there. Shake that son of a bitch up, and we good, baby. God damn, them was the days. <laughs> 
damn, it was it was the days. Well, like in parts of Louisiana, they look at you crazy if you try, go there and you try to get some permission. They don't want to give it to you. And you he know? looked at me crazy. <laughs> yeah, the pharmacist was like, mm. Rachel, and that double. Like, they called it in. I didn't even walk in with the written. They called it in for me. Mm. That's what. Hot toddy. Hot toddy. You got permission in there right now? No. Rachel, no, you on lean? Oh I'm my kidding, god! I don't. I Rachel don't. drinking lean. Donnie, jump on. I don't. <laughs> I don't. It's about to be a Donnie. It's not in here. Donnie. I feel like we I'm have to hot. have. I feel like we have I'm to have an hot. intervention for Rachel right now, man. Uh, it's not in here. <laughs> Rachel. Rachel. <laughs> Yo, Thought Warriors. Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. Yo, Thought Warriors. Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. It's mailbag time. It's mailbag time. It's mailbag time. It's mailbag time. All right. Y'all don't even get the reference. Y'all don't even get the reference out there. Um, Real Texas shit right now. Um. Scary shit happened in the world, and we're going to talk about it next, the big deal of the day. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Uh, yeah, I thought it was over, Rachel. I thought it was oh, over. What was over? It, us, what? stuff, people, stuff. Um, Yesterday, trying to take a chill day, was on a walk. I was trying to look at my phone a little bit less, and I saw a headline that said, two dead in Poland from what seemed to be a Russian missile strike. Mm-hmm. This was the entire danger of the war. There was a thought that in this sort of protracted war between the Ukraine and Russia, that people should be worried about one day just this huge, huge uh, offensive against the Ukrainians that this was going to, there's going to be some kind of uh, exchange of nuclear weapons in there. The West would have to jump in. The much more likely scenario would be that even by accident, a NATO country, which obviously the Ukraine borders Poland, would suffer some sort of attack or some sort of casualty. And then all of a sudden, uh, Article 5 comes into play all for one, one for all. The United States is defending NATO as if NATO is New Mexico or Texas, and now all hell broke loose. So the moment that this was reported, Poland said that that a missile had hit Poland, a, a Russian missile had hit Poland. I was like, right, 
I need to know everything about this that I can. The Pentagon came out and they were like, look, we don't know what's going on right now. We don't have any clue of what's going on. Uh, but just to let everyone in the entire world know, we will defend every single inch, every single inch of NATO territory. Now we know Poland and NATO have said that the missile strike wasn't a Russian attack. Did this have you shooketh? Were you scared? Two people died in this attack and we should make sure that their lives are properly remembered because even though we're not in the midst of World War III right now, two people are still gone forever. And that is the cost of this war, this uh, uh, illegal um, war of aggression that's been waged against Ukraine for the last eight or nine months. Uh, were you afraid when you saw that this happened, Rachel? I know people on Twitter were going nuts. Absolutely. I mean, this is, I guess, the escalation anxiety that we feared could happen with a war like this. Russia seems to be very unpredictable. And I don't want to say that, I don't want to at all, you know, I guess, tone down what's going on. I mean, this war has been going on for months at this point. But I would say that the media, at least here, hasn't been reporting on it in the same way that it has before. So I would think that it's, not think, but it's human nature that people have moved on and not thought about it in the same way they were when it, what they did when it initially happened. So then it's always, it's on our mind, but I wouldn't say at the forefront, like when it initially happened, when it was like, why is Russia attacking Ukraine? So then when this happens, it's, it brings it back to the forefront. And this is what, when this was reported, it's like, well, this is what we feared that Russia was going to start their attacks on neighboring countries, on allies, of Ukraine, and we know that Poland has very well been that. A lot of how the West has communicated and brought things through to the Ukraine has been through Poland. Poland has taken in a lot of refugees from Ukraine. Um, and this place where this missile attack happened, well, where this missile landed and 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 sadly killed two individuals was four miles from that Ukraine Poland border. So this is people's fears come becoming a reality. So absolutely, I was terrified because it was like, is this the beginning? Where will this end? Uh, yeah. So just that yeah. to answer that part so of your question. Interesting is that it, it, for me, it didn't even have to be an intentional Russian attack. What happens if it's an accident? You know, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and then you really the way that works is the United States and other NATO member countries. Obviously, Article five is uh, it's the part of the, the the NATO agreement that says, hey, if one country goes to war. We all go to war. All of us. One of us. One of us is all of us. OK, so that means that whatever Poland wants to do at that particular point. We have to fall in line. Right. Uh, and, and, and help out. And that's like, uh, that's what an alliance is. It's not like we can be right. like, no, they have too many nuclear weapons. If that's the case, um, then NATO and other alliances that we have like NATO, uh, it would be, there'd be total non-confidence, a loss of confidence, should I say, in the U.S.'s ability to, um, uh, maintain friendships and, uh, help out and, you know, come to the aid of its allies. And you can't have that. You have to show strength. So I was really, really anxious about what was going to go on in this situation. Uh, because even if it's an accident, you still have dead Polish citizens. And the countries have to decide how they want to rectify that or remedy that. 
for for his for his side of it, um, Zelensky, obviously the the president of Ukraine, who's become quite the celebrity and the consequential world leader as Ukraine continues to battle uh, and fight just honorably and viciously uh, against Russian aggression. He doesn't believe that the missile was Ukrainian. Says he has no doubt that his country was not to blame for the missile strike. Now, I will say this. I'm sure that he believes that. He seems like a very honorable man. But I also, obviously, believe that he wants as much help and support in his uh in the U- in the Ukraine's war with Russia um as he can get and obviously if he if people were to believe that the Russians were responsible uh for the missile attack then the entire world the entire free world i.e. NATO uh comes to the direct aid of Ukraine so I'm not saying that he's lying but I'm saying that he wants people to know just how dangerous Russian aggression is and how far sure. they've gone. And, you know, shame on us for having forgotten what's going on over there. It's, well, yeah. You know. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. That's it. I mean, like, shame on us for, for having forgotten I, what's going on over there. But, but I, you guys, we're but, living in incredibly precarious times where you have a major world power with uh, an Armageddon toolbox over there in Moscow. Mm-hmm. That's just, we're ever so slightly on the brink. Anything could go wrong. It's not something that we're going to think about all the time. But when you have a country like that, that is uh, you know, threatening the world order. And I know that's a scary term for people because people think, oh, advance a new world order. But the world order is, a part of it at least is, you know, you don't attack a country, a sovereign nation, without having first been attacked. Now, I know that the United States broke that in Iraq, but, you know, geopolitically, this is all incredibly precarious. This is scary, scary stuff. And I think this is the first time that a lot of people felt, um, in a long time, should I say, that a lot of people felt that Jesus Christ, this could be, this could blow up and we could get to a point to where nations have to make real dire decisions. But I felt that. Seculum. Um, <clears throat> makes you think about that for a second. But I think it's also important whether this was intentional from Russia or accidental from Ukraine. I think it's important to note how this is going to make the Polish government and people feel they lost two citizens and yeah, sure. the Polish people, people have, this might have been, might possibly, and I'm sure, you know, from what I was reading, there seems to be a lot of exhaustion on the side of Poland because so much, they've taken on so much in regards to this war. I mean, they've let refugees come. The country has provided financial aid, uh, and it's taken a hit on their economy as well. So this the fact that they lost two of their citizens could even potentially weaken the commitment that they've made to Ukraine, which is so important what's happening in, in Poland too, That because as I said earlier, the West has gone through Poland to provide effort 
uh, to Ukraine. So I think that it's also, we have to pay attention to how this is affecting that country because they were, they were, whether it was intentionally or accidentally affected by this missile and what's happened. And then becomes the fear of, okay, well, as them being a part of NATO, as allies, does more protection need to be provided to their borders? Because it's being reported that this was a Ukrainian, uh, missile that was combating a Russian missile because they're, they're shooting 80 to 100 missiles sometimes a day. So what needs to be done on NATO's part to protect Polish people so they feel more protected as they're giving so much to Ukraine? What's being done for them? So I think that's something important to pay attention to Poland, but also other neighboring countries as well. Um. All right. All right. You guys. Hug each other. The world's a dangerous, scary place. All right. Okay, a lot of you hit us up because we didn't have a podcast this week due to, you know, my flu sickness. And we've obviously been paying attention to it as well. But we have to talk about Shanquilla Robinson, the tragic, horrific death of Shanquilla. If you don't know, on October 28th, to celebrate one of their birthdays, Shanquilla Robinson and six of her friends flew to San Jose del Cabo or Cabo San Lucas um, in Mexico for a long weekend to celebrate this friend's birthday. Within 24 hours of Shanquilla and her friends touching down, it was reported that Shanquilla had passed away. The initial reports of Shanquilla's death were that she was found unconscious in her living room and it was due to alcohol poisoning. Her friends frantically called her mother. Uh, the authorities were also involved and also attributed it to alcohol poisoning. But as the medical examiner got involved, her death certificate stated that Robinson had died from a, quote, severe spinal cord injury and atlas luxation. And that is the loosening or detachment of her first vertebrae from the base of the skull. Absolutely disgusting. Now, her parents, her mother, who received the call, the frantic call from her friends, felt that it was very suspicious under the circumstances that her daughter had passed away. Uh, she's the one who stayed on the Mexican authorities, the medical examiner, eventually got that death certificate that completely contradicted the, ori the original findings or what was reported to her as to the reason that her daughter had passed away. Subsequent to that, a video came out of Shanquilla completely naked, fighting one of her friends while her other friends were recording this video. She was defenseless. The woman was beating her up, threw her down to the ground. Her friends are saying, Shanquilla, why don't you fight back? Not intervening, not stopping it, just recording it like they're watching a sporting event. And that's where the video ends. So there's a lot of outrage, rightfully so, surrounding this murder of Shanquilla because that's what it obviously is at this point. It's not alcohol poisoning. Her face was allegedly swollen as well, in addition to the spinal cord being severed and her vertebrae being broken from the base of her skull. Uh, a lot of outrage has also been at the fact that media outlets, national outlets, are not covering this. And I don't want to compare one death to another, but a lot of people are saying when Gabby Patino was missing, 
Every outlet was covering it. All hands were on deck. But with Shanquilla, there doesn't seem to be the same effort to discover the re- not even just the reason, but who was responsible for the death of this young woman. I believe she was 25 years old, had a, a promising future ahead of her, was there with her alleged friends to celebrate. And within 24 hours of touching down, she lost her life. Van, your thoughts when you heard this? Uh, so I have a couple of thoughts. Number one, we're not comparing one death to another. I understand right. that you were being sensitive by saying that. We're asking the media, where in the fuck are you? Mm-hmm. Gabby Patino is one thing. My heart goes out to the family of Gabby Patino. My heart goes out to the family of any of the many women that over the course of the years, which is disgusting in and of itself, uh, that have been abroad and found themselves lost, killed, um, uh, or otherwise assaulted, and it becomes front page news everywhere. All right. Now, Shanquilla's gone. Awareness and sounding the media alarm helps put pressure on Mexican authorities and, quite frankly, authorities in the U.S. that might be curious about this to get to the bottom of what happened. So, when people are when people are asking why there isn't as much conversation or demanding more conversation about it, they're not doing it from an emotional place. There's a concrete reason why people want to hear the story talked about, because the more people understand it, the, hard, the more people hear about it, the harder it is to ignore. And then right. if you can't ignore it, perhaps we get some answers as to what happened sooner rather than later, which might help the family get some sort of closure. So we're not comparing deaths we're asking where is everyone and that's a fair question to ask i don't know what to believe i I, I, like or not what to believe or what to make of this um this story has led me to do a little research i think everyone has done some research we've all talked about femicide and how that's on the ride is rise in mexico sobering 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 stats more than 10 women are killed every single day in Mexico and oh tens of thousands are missing the rate of femicide, which is killing women specifically because they are women because of their gender is on the rise in Mexico. It's been on the rise for years and years and years. 70% of women um, uh, uh, over 15 have said that they've been the victims of some sort of violence. So this is a big deal. So you look at that and you say, well, there is an epidemic of this in Mexico and uh, Shaquilla could have been the victim of how dangerous it is it is to be a woman in Mexico. That could have happened. But at the same time, the situation with her friends, the violence that they were uh, taking part in, the fact that they left and came back, from what I understand, right? Like the friends left and came back without her. Mm-hmm. This is weird. I'm yeah. I'm not looking to finger anybody for 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 any particular uh, crime that they might have committed or might not have committed, but obviously seeing that she was involved in a violent encounter, naked with everyone else, like taping it, watching, and watching, yeah. right before she right before she passed away, is just insanely sad, enraging, and really really suspicious and peculiar so i'm for me i'm just wondering what the fuck happened to shanquilla like what happened to her well even on social media and 
this is allegedly, but from what I've seen on social media, some of the people, the friends, alleged friends that were involved are speaking out and only saying they'll speak out to the highest bidder in regards to an interview. Um, it seems to be very reckless and just disrespectful in the way that they're handling the death of their, their alleged friend. But it also highlights this issue of not caring about black women. You should have read this story, watched a social media video, read a headline and been horrified by what happened to Shanquilla and honestly thought that this could happen. You know, you've, you've been told you should be careful about who you travel with. But this, you never know what people are plotting against you. You never know who's for you and who's not. Well, I, and this, We don't want to be too hasty by putting... Rachel is very... We want to make sure that we're responsible. I'm saying way, alleged. Yeah. But I think it brings on the bigger conversation of... When you're traveling, especially specifically out of the country with friends, you have to be careful. Allegedly. Fine. But what I'm saying is, I guess the bigger picture, to not be so specific, if you want to be careful in regards to that, and I understand that, is that there is a black woman who's dead. There is a black woman who's dead under very suspicious circumstances. There is a black woman who was allegedly who allegedly died from alcohol poisoning, but her death certificate, and now that her family has the body weeks later, it totally contradicts what they were originally told. So there's a black woman who is dead and things are not adding up. And people need to be outraged to the point where they're at least trying to understand and figure out what's happened to give justice to Shanquilla, if so, such a thing even exists, and give peace of mind to that family who lost their child, or sister, daughter, niece, friend, and they aren't. And and as an on a national media, from a national media perspective, they're not as concerned. So if nothing else, that's something that needs to be called out. Interesting shenanigans from the State Department here as well. When the news first broke. Uh, Queen City News reported that the U.S. State Department, this is according to Yahoo, said that there was no clear evidence to suggest that she was murdered. Rolling Stone then followed up with the State Department, who didn't comment on whether or not her death uh, involved foul play, but referred Rolling Stone to Mexican authorities. Mm. That's peculiar to me. Sounds like they're punting. Well, that's, in my opinion, a definite punt. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, if you want more information, the, 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 the investigative agency closest to it is going to have that information. But whatever information that the Mexican authorities have, the State, the State Department should have it now. They should be sharing. This is the death of an American citizen, right. a suspicious death on vacation in a friendly neighboring country there's no information that the mexican authorities should have that the state department shouldn't have at this point that tells me that they're not being quite vigilant enough with what it is that they're trying to accomplish which is tell the american public what happened to this black lady so right. um we don't that video is damning enough the video is damning enough for you to be do more. The video is damning enough because it 
it, it injects violence into the situation. We don't have any more information into this uh, except what we just gave you guys, but we hope that we have a better understanding of this as it moves forward. And I just can't imagine anyone, can't imagine anyone trying to get a come up off the death of their friend. Like, I, it, we, look, I haven't seen that. You've seen it. I haven't seen it. I'm not saying it is, but if, if it is happening, God damn, man. God damn, bruh. Fuck. We got Malcolm Jamal Warner coming up next. Let's take a moment. Just real quick. It's a very troubling story. Heart goes out to the family of the young woman. Everyone who has to move on in their lives without her right now. It's a very troubling story. Let's take a moment real quick. Take a breath. We got Malcolm Jamal Warner talking about a lot of things on the other side of this. He's got a brand new album. It's out now. It's nominated for a Grammy. He's already won a Grammy. Um, we're going to talk to him about that, how he's maintained his longevity in his career, how he did not fall victim to the curse of the child star. Um, and also, obviously, a little bit about his time on The Cosby Show and what The Cosby Show means to people now and maybe what it should mean to people now. Malcolm Jamal Warner on the other side of this break. Uh, fantastic interview. Stick around. It was a longer one. We, the brother gave us a lot of time. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. You guys. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A treat. A treat on the podcast today. I've never met this brother before, but he feels like my brother. I'm not even going to lie. Right? <laughs> right? right? I've been following his life <laughs> since I was a kid. Like, seriously, watching him. He put on the Gordon Gartrell. I'll never forget it. Uh, <laughs> uh, this guy's a piece of television history that we have on the show right now. Actor, producer, director, mu musician, poet. Um, Malcolm Jamal Warner joins us today on Higher Learning. Higher yes. Learning. Hey. The first question I'll ask you. First of all, thank you for joining us, brother. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you hear people talk about you like that, like a piece of television history. Like you can't tell the history of television without showing your face. Yeah, sure. That's good. What is that like for you? Yeah. Um, it's dope. I mean, I'll start there. Um, but I think it's also um, it's it's a way of life. You know, it, it, it's almost like it is what it is because I was you know from fourteen on. 
Um, you know, I've been a part of this, you know, iconic uh, cultural phenomenon, if you will, right? So with that, um, you know, it's, it's, that's been a great blessing. There are, I think for me, there's also a certain, you know, responsibility that comes with like holding that space. You know, my, my whole thing has always been ever since, you know, coming off of Cosby has always been, um, you know, making sure, like, you know, I was like, I can't go from that show to go doing bullshit. Right. So, sure. yeah. So there's a uh, there's a certain responsibility that, you know, for me, I have I've had to take on in terms of, you know, uh, I'm very specific. I'm very clear that I have no interest in doing roles that perpetuate negative stereotypes of our people. Right, right, right. Which uh, means I don't work as much as, uh, you know, I think I should. You know, I think I've been, uh, you know, I've been able to maintain a wonderful career uh, post-Cosby, but, you know, a lot of that has come with being, you know, meticulous about, uh, being very mindful about the kind of roles I do um, and as a result, as a result, between you know uh, uh, gigs I go out for and don't get, uh-huh. and gigs I turn down because I'm not trying to you know perpetuate uh, certain images of us, I go through periods of unemployment you know a little longer than I'd like. Yeah, you know what's you funny know? about that? I, I remember one time I saw Malcolm and something, and I was like, oh my god! <laughs> so way before Jamie Fox. Way before, uh, what's your man from from Moonlight, Tredavious, uh, 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 Travante Rhodes, uh-huh. Michael Jai White played Mike Tyson, uh-huh. like, like 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 for for an HBO Word. original movie, yeah. which you guys is a really good movie. Yeah, Michael Jai yeah. White played Mike Tyson. What it must have been like ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah, about ninety five. 95. Yeah. So he played he played Mike Tyson. And in the movie, Malcolm played one of Mike's friends from back in the day. <laughs> and they was kind of on their hood shit a little bit. And I remember watching the movie and be like, oh my God. Theo has changed. Do you remember that role, bro? I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I remember, you know, I, I love being able to do that role. Because it was something, you know, it was so different for a Cosby. And this was, you know, this was pre-Malcolm and so I'm, like, really coming off of the whole Theo thing. So to have the opportunity to do that type of thing that was so different, like, I, I, I needed that not just for my own acting work uh, as, a, as in terms of my own craft, but I also needed that as part of my body of work to show that there is more to what I do than just Theo. Yeah. And because that, um, because that role was based on, you know, Rory, you know, Mike's best friend, Mike's it was friend. You know, in the context of, you know, playing somebody, you know, real. So when Van introed you on here, he said you're like family, which is so true. We've had this discussion on this podcast. I've never related more to a family on television than I did the Cosby's. Like that, that was, that was my family. Yeah. So for you, and you talk about this responsibility, how would you say that that show redefined, or maybe just defined, public perception of black of the black family in America? Yeah, I mean it was. I mean it it it, it did. 
obviously it did that. Um, that's what it said. You know, the, the thing that made that show all that it was, right? All of the things, uh, all of the stereotypical things that you didn't necessarily see on that show um, was because Mr. Cosby was creating this show um, and he and NBC always kind of were, were had a difference of perspective because while NBC thought, okay, well, we're doing a show about this upper middle class black family, Mr. Cosby was like, no, this show is about an upper middle class family that happens to be black, right? So we think about it, it's really the first um, you know black sitcom on television where the the humor was not predicated upon being black. Right, the humor was predicated mm-hmm. upon like a human experience. Um, so I think mm-hmm. that's you know uh, that's one of the key things and why that show was different. Whereas now, even you know, post Cosby, we may have you know black shows on TV, black roles where they up the social economic class, right? But the execution is still kind of stereotypical executions. They just have professions. Um, so, so, so. I, I think that's one of the reasons why how it reshaped how people, uh, you know, saw black people, because, you know, this family was very clearly black. You could tell by the dress, by the art, by the music. Um, But it was a show everyone could relate to because it was about a uh, the human family condition as opposed to the black family tradition. And that turned some people off. There were black people were like, sure. well, black people don't really live like that. You know, that's not real. But the fact that there has always been a black middle class, mm-hmm. right? Throughout yeah. history has been the black middle class. Um, or if you just go, you know, as recent as uh, you know, Cliff and Claire's generation, right? Uh, you know, so many of their generation were the first in their family to ever go to college. Yeah. So their parents were going to make sure they were doctors, they were lawyers. So, you know, this life that, you know, people wanted to say didn't exist was really because they weren't exposed to the reality that these people do exist. Mm. So long Uh, answer to... (laughs) No, that's a great answer. No, yes. I'm going to come back to... Because I want to talk about... you're, You're nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Supporting Actor. You won a Grammy with my man, Robert Glasper. Yeah. And Layla Hathaway, you with all of my friends, and we don't even know each other. Um, so you're doing some some great some great work, and your new album you have coming out, Hiding in Plain Sight. We was nominated for another Grammy. Yeah. This year, congratulations, man! Like you do right? all a, a man of many talents. I want to ask you about something. Yeah. Recently, Aaron Carter passed away. And the first thing that I thought when Aaron Carter passed away uh, was how he had been a child star. Mm. Um, He had been a child star. And obviously we know that there is a long list of child stars that for whatever reasons could not adjust into either life after the sitcom ended or adult life period. Yeah. Um, And we've seen that really with a lot of your contemporaries, you know what I mean? People that were on TV at the same time as you were, and then people after, and to be honest with you, people just before as well, you know? Um, Why didn't that happen to any of the Cosby kids? It seemed Uh, like everyone 
turned out to be, you know, really well adjusted, like and brilliant people. Eric Alexander, brilliant. Yeah, what was you, know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like all yeah. Raven, Raven yeah. Simone. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Everybody, yourself. Yeah. Uh, Vanessa had a she had a a, a talk show at one time. Did yeah. Did, yes. Yeah. yeah. So tip is blessed. So all everyone together. It seems like Keisha and I pull them. You know, when I was in college. She changed the image a little bit, <laughs> and we loved it. But you know what I mean? I'm like, God damn, Rudy. but like, but but magazine, like, but, but, huh? I'm like, shit. <laughs> um, but everybody turned. Everybody turned out. Why? Why is that? Denise, like everybody. Obviously, she's her family now. Is Lisa Bonet's? She's got her own multiverse yeah, of yeah. beautiful mm-hmm. light-skinned people so like so <laughs> w- w- why did that happen why did you everyone from the cosby show turn out mm. you think? is there anything that in the dna of that show that 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 made that possible there are a couple of things man um i would start with our parents right um our parents were just very involved in our lives um and, 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 and actually i'll go once one before that we shot Cosby show in New York as opposed to LA. So we were already removed from Hollywood and so many of like the Hollywood stuff. So when you grow up on television in Hollywood, your best friend is on the same lot as yours, you know, the next stage down working on their television show. So there becomes this insulated uh, way of growing up um, in Hollywood where you kind of um, you know, you're a little bit separate from reality, um, but then the world you in is kind of a, you know, fuck the world in itself. Um, you know, so it's just, so we did not have that experience. Like our first studio was in Brooklyn, uh, Avenue, Avenue M and East 14th Street, which is a Jewish neighborhood. There was no commissary. So at lunch, we had to go out into the neighborhood and get our food, wherever we were going to decide we are going to eat. Um, so just that, like, like that kind of experience or growing up in New York where people don't care who you are. <laughs> right, right? Right, right. In fact, right. you can get played in New York because you're on some, do you know who I am? Yeah. So the world with which we grew up during that time uh, kept us uh, in a very reality-based focus. You know, because of course, in New York, you live in the dopest high-rise you walk outside and you're faced with hardcore reality. You don't yeah, get that kind of going up in, in LA, in Hollywood. Um, but then also, like I said, our parents were very, uh, very present and very much, you know, if you look at, you know, young people who kind of go by the wayside or whatever, you have to look at their parents first, see where their parents, like who are the, if the parents don't serve as the guidepost for the kid, then there's so much room for them to go off path. You know, my mom told me I was 14 when Cosby first hit. And, you know, when the first hit, the numbers were like out the box. And I'm 14 and my mom was like, yo, baby, it's great that this show is the phenomenon that it is, but this show could be over next year. What are you going to do when the show's over? She was like, I can type. I can always get a job. What are you going to do when the show's over? So, you know, for me personally, she had already impressed upon me this concept of longevity, this concept of life after Cosby. Uh, and in between that and being in New York, 
you know, I grew up with a very real perspective of, you know, who I am, um, you know, how I navigate through this business, uh, how I navigate with a soul. You know, my dad, my dad was good for that, helping me, yeah. you know, keep my soul intact. He set some really good foundations. Um, you can't, you, you can't be named after Malcolm X and Ahmad Jamal and be about dumb shit. Yeah. I fuck, I fuck over that legacy. Yeah. My dad's, my dad set me, I was, I was 15 when I figured it out and I called my dad. I was like, yo, you set me up. And he just laughed. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> He just laughed. It was like, okay, I get it. I get it. I got this is what, you know, this is the legacy that I have to um, you know, not just have honor, respect, and reverence to, but I also have to uh hold that responsibility. You have you have uh with in your namesake, you have your own legacy, but or that legacy, but you've created your own legacy in your own right. I mean, as Van pointed out, you're nominated for Best Spoken Word Poetry Album for this year, Hiding in Plain View. You direct. I had no idea that you directed New Edition's Any Heartbreak yeah. video, <laughs> which I love. You act. Yeah, yeah. You're Wait, a poet, what? as I just... Yes, he directed. He's How? in the video, right? I know he's, he's in, in the video, video but he How also... How the fuck did I not know direct- that? Yeah, that's why I was <laughs> in it, because I directed it. But yeah. But you were in... Yeah, yeah so, I see- so, so, just, so because you don't know that, I, I got to tell you. So my first two big music videos uh, was New Editions, Any Heartbreak, and Special Ed's I'm a Magnificent. Those oh. are big. Big, you know, big director. My first starting out director. So I'm I actually got, I got, I, I got in trouble. I think it was fourth or fifth grade because me and my man Drico, <laughs> shout out to Drico, we switched shoes, right? <laughs> he t- he had one shoe on, and then I had the other shoe on. Like they, remember like they had, like was it they golden had black? Video? No, it wasn't golden black. I had white sneakers <laughs> on. He had black sneakers on. And then I was like, "Yo, give me one of your sneakers. Give me." And we was new edition, like oh, on the video. That's so fucking hard. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, finish. I'm sorry. No, bro. the video is iconic. So I was yeah. like, I know you direct, but I had no idea you were behind that video. Yeah. You act. You're a poet, you're a musician, as we see the guitars behind you, multiple guitars behind you right now. Of all the things that you do, what is it that you enjoy the most and why? Mm. Man, um, that's kind of like, which kid is your favorite kid? Mm. <laughs> actually, some, nice. some parents could probably answer that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they're like, I love them all because like it's like I think I was probably around thirty or so where I realized, oh, you know what? I'm an artist. Like I do all of these things, and one of the reasons I do all of these things is because I think I was about twenty three, a couple of years after Cosby, uh, no, about a year and a half after Cosby was was done. I'm, you know, I'm in between gigs and I'm pitching, you know, directing stuff and whatnot. And at some point, I realized because I was acting and directing, I was like, if I keep my eggs in just these two baskets. This business is going to break my heart. Mm. So I set out to find other uh, creative avenues of expression um, to keep me creatively fulfilled in between acting gigs, uh, to keep me creatively fulfilled when the the passion becomes a job and all of the things that come with the territory of having a job, uh, no matter how much you love it, there are things that get in the way of the joy. 
So my thing has always been, well, I've got these uh, these different avenues of expression available to me, and let me use them because uh, I need them. Mm. Right? Like my acting uh, career needs my music outlet. You know, because the way the music business is, you know, my music career needs the acting. Mm. <laughs> right, you right, know? right. So yeah. they all feed each other and together they all hold me up. Mm. Mm. Um, I have to ask you this. Is Bill Cosby still a hero to you? Damn, man. <laughs> and let me and let me tell you why I ask you mm, mm, mm. because on this very podcast we've talked about just having gaping holes mm, mm. in our childhood mm. and what it would mean to extract the Cosby show mm. you know my my father went to Southern University I went to Southern University as well but I learned what a HBCU was not from my dad. I learned from an HBCU from the Cosby show mm-hmm. because somebody's wearing a Hillman sweater. And then I go, what is Hillman? And my mom goes, what's they probably mean Spelman. It's a, it's a school. It's, it's like a, like, you know what I mean? She's like, it's probably a takeoff of that, but like, it's a black school. And I'm like, Oh, and she's like, your dad went to a black school. Like my mother went to LSU. My father went to Southern. And she's like, your dad went to a black school. Southern, that's the school for all. And I, and I was like, and I just put it together in my mind. I was like, hey, every time I go up on the yard, I don't see nothing but black people. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's so much of my, uh, of, 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 of culture. My brain was molded partly so much due to the creations, the, the narratives, the stories that came out of that show. It was a major, major part of my childhood. But obviously, we all know what's happened subsequently. So for us, it's a question that as consumers, we litigate. But for you, as someone who had your entire life changed, I guess the question is, is he's is Bill Cosby still a hero to you? Right. So so that. um, That question. That question assumes. uh, A hero perspective. Okay. Right. Um, right. So I worked with him. Right. Um, and also on, on, on my last record it's called Selfless, it's album, it's a record with me and Lettison. And the song's called Brand New Day. And my very last line of that joint is uh, I'm holding out for an iconic love like Cliff and Claire. Mm. Right. So that's Cliff and Claire, not Mr. and Mrs. Cosby. Mm. Right. So while there was this father figure um, to the world, right? This was uh, someone I worked with. This was a colleague. This was uh, this was Ennis's dad. Mm. Right. This is the guy I see every day. This is the guy I see, you know, passionate out with the writers every single week because you know they're writing something that's not what he set this show out to be. Um, you know, this is a man who schooled me a lot in terms of the business, um, but he wasn't my father, right? Like my father, my father, I'm 52 years old. My father still kisses me on the lips, right? So it's a very different kind of relationship uh, that I've had with him, uh, very different from America's relationship, Mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. 
It does make sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. I'm going to switch it over to Malcolm and Eddie because I just learned something. Van, I don't know if you know this, and this could be something that just resurfaced Mm. because you know how social media is and they bring up old stuff. But with Malcolm and Eddie and you and Eddie Griffin, I had no idea that Tupac was considered for the role of Malcolm. What? <laughs> Malcolm. This, this, okay, Malcolm. I'm looking at Malcolm's face. <laughs> Malcolm's looking at me like, what? I you know, had no idea. I know not of which you speak. <laughs> So Eddie was doing an interview and it was on a it was on something and I was Eddie joking? Now I'm like knowing not that I know Eddie, but from what I know of Eddie as his persona. <laughs> is he joking? But he literally was talking about that Tupac was up for this role and that it wouldn't have made sense for him to have Tupac in this role as Malcolm. <laughs> was this real? I Never heard of that. I know not of what you speak. You and Pac never talked about that? (laughs) (laughs) You and Pac never talked about that? Yeah, we never read about that. Okay, since you didn't know about that, let me me ask you this. uh, Going back to to piggyback on what Van was saying, I'm curious with everything that's going on, have you stayed close to your castmates uh, from the Cosby show? Um... Me and Keisha are, uh, like that's that's always been my homie since she was four years old. Uh, she's still my homie. Um, we both live in Atlanta. Our daughters are a couple of months apart and love each oh, other. Oh, wow. Which is so surreal. Yeah, it's crazy. Right? It's crazy. <laughs> oh, it's so right. It's so right. crazy. That's crazy. Um, and so Keisha's the one I talk to the most. Um me and Lisa are cool, you know, whenever we talk. Uh, we don't talk very often, but when we do, we're always, we're always good. Um, and I used to talk to Tempest a little more, not so much. And then Felicia, you know, sometimes life just gets rough and I just got to call Felicia. It's be like, how do they feel about people that say, take the show off the air and don't want to watch the show and all of that? How do you guys feel about that? We don't even talk about that. Word. We don't even talk about that. No, no. Like our, you know, we are, um, we're so far removed from the show, you know? So though we may talk about it publicly, I think Keisha and I had one conversation um, about, and that was because I had to call her up and dig her up because I did some interview. uh, It was like, my last, my last record, I put my last record in 2013. I couldn't get any interviews. I could get no coverage on my record unless I agreed to ask at least one question about Bill Cosby, right? So I did Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 yeah. wait a minute. They told you that before? Yeah. Yeah. Like my publicist could not, could not book me uh, any, any press unless they wanted, because this was like in the height of it. So they so, yeah. Oh, so they, so, oh, so you, but you would say to them, you, you you would say to them, I don't want to talk about it, or they would oh, say no. to you, yeah. Oh. My publisher, you know, you know, my yeah, 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 yeah. Give me, give me gigs, and you know, they're like, well, you know, uh, you know, we're gonna want to ask them a question about Cosby. She'd be like, no, okay, well, no, thank you. But it was that kind of as I'm trying to as I'm trying to promote my record. <laughs> right. that's, what, you know, that's what it is. 
So I, I do this interview with, 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 with AP. We do a 25-minute interview, talk about the music, talk about my acting. Like, it's a dope conversation. The last question she asks is, do you think, um, you know, what's happening with the Cosby now has tarnished the legacy of the Cosby show? And I said, well, of course it's tarnished it because whenever we see, we have images on television that perpetuate negative images of people of color, we always have the Cosby show to hold that, you know, to juxtapose against that. And now that the show's taking off the air, we no longer have that. The next day, the headlines read, Malcolm Jamal Warner says, uh, the Cosby show legacy has been tarnished. That's the headline that ran across the wire. The record that the interview was supposed to be about my record. That's the headline that ran. So that's the thing. That's the thing. Then Keisha is on some talk show. And they ask her the same question, and she's like, no, the, the legacy can never be tarnished. So like, there's a whole generation that went and got a higher education because of that show. You can't take that back. It's like There are people who, who, who are out who have um, loving Black families because of that show. So, no, you can never take, you can't take that back. You cannot tarnish the legacy. So I saw that, and I hit her up. I was like, yo, I'm biting that. Whenever somebody asks me, I'm using this shit. <laughs> and, like, that's the only time we've ever like discussed wow. it because it, it, it's just yeah. not a part of of our conversation did you ever want to rap yeah yeah oh my god yeah that's how <laughs> that's how I became a, a poet <laughs> that's what I'm saying because you was because like when, when, when y'all was doing that was the goal you were there for the explosion mm. of hip hop mm. and I see that you're a poet what would it have been like if in like 89 or 90, 91, you'd have just, I don't know, you'd have got with the bomb squad and just got on your public enemy shit and just dropped a whole wreck. Or just you and Cockroach. You and Cockroach together. <laughs> no, I so my my band is called Miles Long, right? So okay. listeners, if you go to Spotify or Apple Music, um, if you type in just my name, you'll get like features and collaborations. But to hear like my catalog of music, it's Malcolm Jamal Warner's Miles Long. Um, Miles Long was actually the name of my first rap group. So in 89, uh, Miles Long was a rap group, me and two other cats. I was up in Russell's office. With his ass demo tape, like, yo, <laughs> the Russ is conscious. It's like, yo, you gotta hear this, man. On some De La Soul type shit? It was <laughs> not that good. Um, okay. 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 <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. <You're> honest. <laughs> right. Not that good. You know, but it was but it, but it was it was on some, you know, uh the DJ uh you know, producer, he ended up going by Frankie Knuckles. Uh anyway. Russell trashed the project, but he ended up <laughs> fucking with my man. Because <laughs> Frank, Frankie Knuckles is a legend, right? You know what I'm saying? So wait, so you go into Russell's office, you got your group with you. No, it's just you me. All, it's, it's just, it's just me. you. Just me, yeah. And you get you give the demo, and Russell doesn't like the the music, but he but he ends up getting with Frankie Knuckles, who's now a legendary yeah. DJ. He liked right. the music. He thought the music was cool, but he just didn't think that, you know, the rap lane was for me. Mm. You know, and 
and I, I don't I don't remember what his exact words were. I don't even know if he was really talking about the imaging, but he was just really like, you know, it's cool. It's a cool idea, but the skill set isn't there. I'm paraphrasing, but he was like real, like, you know, skill set is not there. Um, so is that how you got into spoken word? So I got you just changed like move that later. But I had but so I've been a poet. I've been writing like my whole life. My dad went to Lincoln um, with Gil Scott Heron and Brian. Oh, wow. Yeah. My dad went to Lincoln because Langston went to Lincoln. Mm. Mm-hmm. So my father had me steeped in poetry. Like when I was six or seven years old, never took an acting class at that time. But at six or seven years old, I told my parents I was either going to be a famous actor, a famous poet, or a famous basketball player. Like that was my, I just, I just knew. Um, Can you hoop? <laughs> you're so honest I've never you're met so anybody with this clean and honest of a spirit just like <laughs> no, at least like no you, you couldn't wait what's your answer was, is it really no it's, it's no it's no <laughs> <laughs> like I, I look I look good you know I had like you know not handles but like I had maybe a handle right <laughs> I couldn't could shoot to save my life Right. Like, and you could, you know, shoot, if you just stay on me, you could imagine a ball with it. But if you left, if you followed the ball. Right. All day, no. Well, so. well you're, you're good at so many things. I guess you can't be good at everything, right. Malcolm. It's cool. You can't be it's good. Cool. At- <laughs> but so, you can't be good. At- so the poetry has always been like a part of, of, of what I do. Um, but the spoken word kind of came out. Um, you know, it was before Love Jones, before poetry spots, you know, popped up all over the place. But I was in L.A. Um, my man was telling me about this poetry spot. So we went and we see uh, Jada Pinkett uh, and um, Tashina Arnold. So they were doing poetry and like and all the women came up and all the poems were just were, were male bashing. Oh, like you just did not feel good about being a man in this room. And I was like, yo, this is whack, man. So me and my girl, we went went home, you know, wrote something. Next week, we both came out and like we, you know, we came in repping for, you know, for the fellas. Right. And uh, just the poem that that I've written, it was so, um, it was so to the core that of course the dudes were like, yeah, yeah. And the women were like, mm, yeah, you're yeah. right, you're right, you're right. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> so I just realized that I was writing something and it just had this universal kind of thing and, and, and people dug it. So that's what what kind of pushed me into the spoken word. So I was like, okay, well, the rap days are over. Um, you know, uh, my dad has always, you know, had me in poetry and now here is a, um, it's not just writing it; it's having it, you know, reading to yourself. Here is a a a, a, um, a platform where you can actually do your poetry. You can actually, you know, perform your poetry. And then coming from stage and all of that, it just, you know, it was it was something that 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it inspired, I guess, all of those other avenues for me, like you know, the writing. 
you know, the wanting to do hip hop, you know, uh, the acting, the theater, it was, you know, it touched all of those places in me, uh, you know, and this, there was a, a venue for this. So that's what really got me. And then, you know, then Love Jones came out and then Poetry Spot started popping up. It became the wave. Yeah. It became the thing. And yeah. Deaf poetry and then slam poetry. Slam, slam poetry. And now yeah. everybody thinks slam poetry and poetry are synonymous. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Mm. Um, Rachel, you got something else? Um, well, I want to ask you about your upcoming, yeah. which you got coming up on Fox, The Accused. Can you, I mean, I know you got Resident, The Resident, season six, which is huge, but you also have something new. You got a lot coming out. So if you yeah. could tell us what you have coming out, The Resident, and then also yeah. The Accused. Um, so I started The Resident. We were finishing our sixth season. <clears throat> um, and a couple weeks ago, uh, no, last week, the episode I directed aired. Um, wow. Okay. Really cool. Been the man doesn't stop. <laughs> I, I worked that out for a couple of years. I, I harassed him for a couple of years about getting a director slot. Um, but we're yeah we're finishing our sixth year, uh, which is great because when I first started the show, I was only supposed to do the last three episodes of season one. Um, it was just a three episode arc, and then here I am back at the end of our sixth season. Uh, so that's been a great ride. And um, Fox's, in the mid-season, Fox has a new show coming out called Accused, which is a, uh, a courtroom anthology. So kind of like uh, Twilight Zone or Black Mirror. Every Oh, episode. but all in court. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. And they're yeah. all, you know, separate. They're all their own separate stories, separate episodes. Um, and I, yeah, I have a, I have a really crazy episode uh, about a man who uh, is being convicted for the murder of the man who molested his 10-year-old daughter, my 10-year-old daughter. Jesus. So it's, you know, it's nice light fare. I'm about uh, to say, there's some feel-good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's heavy, man. It's heavy, but it's, uh, I think that's going to be a really important series. Um, and, I, and I'm really excited about people seeing that episode. It's, it's, again, it's another sign of, you know, a lot of people don't see. If Thank you for giving us so much time. I got one last question for yeah. you, man. You've done so much. You've done so much. You've, like, with everything you've been a part of, you've had your own show uh, here and now. I don't, don't think, I, you know, bro, I know. I, 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 <laughs> Yo, do, do, you, do you remember, do you know that Lauren Hill and oh, Lauren Hill, but I know Daryl Chill Mitchell. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah it, so was, it was it was a lot of stuff that was going on. Yeah, you know what? I, you know what? I always thought there was this one episode of the Cosby Show. I always thought they were going to spin Theo off, but there was this, there was this one episode yeah. of the Cosby Show where I guess Theo was teaching. Yeah, or something like that. And yeah. I always I, mm-hmm. I always thought that was a backdoor pilot. I was like, oh, they're about to give Theo his own his own joint or 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 something like that. Would you have been even up for that? Like if they, so, if they, well, so, so that was that was part of the conversation. But I wanted, I didn't want it to be spinoff. Like I wanted to. Oh have yeah. Where it was. So that's how here and now came. Now, out. yeah, because it's the kind of the same yeah. type of situation, yeah. same premise. Yeah. So here, so here and now could have been spinoff, but we tried to, you know, just kind of flip it a little bit, so it wasn't just the same. What left do you want to do? Like you've done so much, 
you got Grammys, you're nominated for another Grammy, you've got music, you've got television show, you're already a television icon. You've already etched your name into the history. Like I said that before, that's a very, very true, right? Yeah. And it happens yeah. so early. Yeah. You know, like you, you accomplished by probably 17 or 18 more than 99.9% yeah. .9 of actors or performers get a chance to, 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 to accomplish in their whole life. What's, what's next? What do you want to do next? Do you have any things that you're like, it would be so dope if I could do this or so dope if I could do that? Like what's left on that list? Well, so here's the thing. It's a, um, like Mr. Cosby used to always say, you have to remember it's a marathon. While everybody else is, is out running sprints, you remember it's a marathon. So when mother was talking to me at 14 years old about longevity, um, you know, my thought process has always been about what's next. Like what's, you know, cool, this is, this is hot right now, but what happens after this? Um, so I've been very fortunate to be able to have a life where, I, where I've set myself up where I don't have to uh, panic during, uh, let's say, dry spells, right? Because if you, if you got if you have longevity, you have periods where you're hot, periods where you're not. So fortunately, I'm set up. So when I'm not, when I'm in those periods of not hot, I don't have to make desperate acting choices, right? But the the road is still the road, like. Once the resident, uh, once we're done with the resident uh, and the accused airs, well, I'm still, I'm back on the audition ground, right? So it's, so the whole thing about this journey is like, yeah, uh, so many times we get called up in at a hot TV show, a hot song, a hot movie, um, you know, and, and, and people get so caught up in that that they don't think about 10, 15, 20 years from now. So, like, the trick really is to enjoy what's happening, but not to get caught up in it mm. because the road is still long. You know, I got to find yeah. it. Yeah. So, my grind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, no, right. there's no end to the grind. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm you know I've I've got stuff I'm developing like you know like every other actor in, in Hollywood does, um, but yeah the grind is still you know it's one of the reasons why I do so much because the grind is if I can do an, if I can do several different things they all be grinds and they all be grinds that I love then collectively uh, it keeps me busy it keeps me creatively fulfilled and keeps me growing and honing all of those skills. Before we let you go, I got to ask you this. We all have our favorite. Do you have a favorite episode from The Cosby Show? Uh, probably the Monopoly button. <clears throat> when uh, Cliff and Theo are going back and forth about, you know, um, you know, you haven't eaten. Well, I can get by and blow the cereal. Yeah. Or you have a car. I can ride a motorbike. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, probably that one, because that was that was the pilot, and that's what set uh, and that's what set the tone for the show. Yeah. Man. I didn't know if you were gonna say that or Gordon Gordon Gartrell. Gordon Gartrell. Man mentioned it. Well, and, I, I mean, it? If you ask me my top five, that's a different answer. But if I gotta just pick one, but yeah, the Gordon Gartrell is definitely up in the top five. So like calling women, I just remember so many things. Calling women burgers, <laughs> like, like, it's so stupid. It was like it's like like there's so calling women burgers. But obviously, 
for me, the relationship that I had with my dad was yeah. most illustrated in you trying to guilt trip Cliff and Theo trying to guilt trip Cliff and Cliff going, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will watch like, you know, other sitcoms, Mr. Belvedere and all of that stuff like later. And I would see the way the white kids on the show would talk to their parents. <laughs> they would guilt trip them and make them feel bad. And then like it would work or they would get mad and like walk out the room. Yeah, yeah, so I hate you, mom. I hate you, dad. Like I'm, I'm struggling. And like, I would try that shit. And my father would look at me like, <laughs> Crystal, we need to take this boy to the doctor. This nigga has <laughs> lost his mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So, so it, that just rang so true. Uh, I'm not gonna hold you, bro. You've been so gracious with your time. You are. Yes, you have. Just, I, I'm so happy to see you well, thriving, doing your thing. Thank you. Thank you. Grammys in your pockets. More Grammys coming to you. Yeah. And, uh, and, when you and when you get a chance, um, I'm saying this to you and to you know, your listeners and, and viewers too. Uh, please, please listen to the album. Um, it's by far my most important album. Um, I tell people that it's an album. Uh, you know. This record is for us. It's for black boys. It's for black men. It's for black people. It's for non-black people who have the foresight enough to see our self-healing as an invitation for them to explore their own self-healing. Um, I have all throughout my record, Dr. Daniel Black, assistant professor at, uh, of African-American studies at Clark Atlanta University. What up um, to Clark? I... Will uh, I will be as bold enough to say that this record is one of the most important records that you will hear come out in 2022. Mm. Uh, mm. And I know I put a lot on it. Um, and I invite anyone to go listen to the record and tell me I'm wrong. I'm open for that discussion. <laughs> do we have your per- Do we have your permission to maybe at the end of the show today? Play our audience out with a little bit, of, put a little bit of it in there, so, yeah, so they please, can hear for please. themselves. Yeah, man. yeah. yeah. What, what like like you have? I know you have an album. Which out. one? Which one do you want us to play? Uh, off of that record, listen to it or have somebody. Okay. To it. Okay. It's like okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Oh, the, the record is it's an important record. That's all I can say, right? Oh, I got you. I you got know, you. I like, got you. You know, yeah, the record starts. I mean, the record starts. Dr. Danny Black, he's the fir- on the first track. It's, 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 uh, the, the track is called Love Song. So we'll and play he, that one. And he says, the thing about a black boy is you don't necessarily want to be the black boy. What you want to do is you want to love him so fiercely you want to love him so divinely that your disappointment would kill him. Mm. That's how the record starts off. Jesus. So, wow. yeah, so listen to the record, man, and, you know, yeah. whatever. Because there's so many chunks, you know, and, and, and bits in there that, you know, I'd say, you know, you or your producers or whoever can listen to something and see what resonates the most with the show and your listeners. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Malcolm. That's amazing. Thank you for giving us your time, brother. Thank we you. We appreciate yes. you being here together. Thank Next you time you, you're on the show, you're gonna give us some guitar lessons, man. I uh, just got a guitar. <laughs> bass lessons, <laughs> specifically bass. 
the, the base. Yeah, the base. The base. The base. Slap yeah. the base. And it's me playing uh, bass. Look at him. bass all over the record too. So it's or it up. It's all of it. Oh, that's great. All right, thank you. The uh, the thank album you. is hotter than playing you. Nominated for Best Spoken Word Poetry Album. I want everybody out there, all the Thought Warriors, to stream that, listen to that, go out and support that. I want y'all to make him feel our support. So we are so happy to have you. We're happy that you gave us your time. Peace to your brother. Blessings. Malcolm Jamal Warner on Higher Learning. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. All right. Fantastic interview. Malcolm Jamal Warner. Look, you were, th- th- this is, hey, Rachel, that's enough. I, I held it down. That, that, Rachel, I was, that's enough. I kept it in hack, for, all, cough, for that, all hack, that interview. Hack. God damn it. Like, you sound like, Burgess, you sound like Burgess Meredith. Like, Y'all like see you, how you, you don't care about like, me? Like, that's enough. You'll see what I go through on this podcast? Hacky, I sacrifice my health. Cough. My health for y'all. You know what I'm my saying? health for y'all. I'm not 100% whole. That's enough. But I refuse to let the thought Drink some more, Yolene. Drink some lean. Another episode. Rachel, drink Another some episode without hearing from Van and I. Drink some lean. I refuse to cancel on another guest, which obviously that was a fantastic interview. And I am currently out of lean. And I Dude, will Oh, she ain't got no more lean. Drink up in my cup. Drink up in my cup. Man, hold up. up. Drink, drink <laughs> up in my cup. Drink up in my cup. Uh, Trump. All right. So look, this is what happened. We were gone and the midterms came out. The midterms came out like they dropped, like they had a new album. The, <laughs> the, the midterm elections were had. Like we did not. We were gone, but we have more clarity now. If we were recorded Monday, the house is still up for grabs. Mm-hmm. The house is now not up for grabs. The Republicans have gotten to 218 in the house. They're going to have a majority albeit a smaller majority than they thought, which might uh, sort of hinder them in uh, being getting as much of their agenda passed as they wanted to or being on the same page. It's a lot different having a huge majority and having like a one, two, three, or even four or five uh, seat majority. It hampers some of the things that you can do, especially since there's a civil war brewing inside the Republican Party. But we do know now that we got split government, President, Demi Demi, Senate, Demi Demi, uh, Republicans uh, have taken the House. The predicted red wave, the crushing of blue balls everywhere did not happen. A lot of people say this is because Donald Trump. Rachel, have you been well enough to pay attention to the political happenings in the country over the last six or seven days? I have. I mean, how can you not be paying attention to it? sick or healthy, I will say that I have to come on here and say I was wrong. I was wrong. The last time we were podcasting, I said, you know what? We've lost Nevada. We don't know about Arizona. And Dems won Nevada. 
in regards to the Senate, let me clarify. I know we. Tim Swan. Them I know, won. I said we. Yeah. Tim Swan, uh, Arizona. And we know Georgia is going to a runoff December 6th. So I was wrong about that. And I'm glad that I was wrong. Um, I also talked about the fact that nobody's pointing to the fact that it seems like the, the Republicans are going to win the House, which they have, and they've already started on their bullshit, right? They got their 218 seats, more than that, and they're already on their bullshit. I will say, from watching everything play out to this point, because we know who who controls the Senate, and we know who controls the House. We know that Mitch McConnell was challenged for a quick second, but he's still going to hold his place in regards to um, his title in the Senate. Well, Kevin McCarthy, we're not quite sure what's going to happen there uh, as far as who's going to be Speaker of the House. And at this point, we know that Nancy Pelosi has said that she does not want a title at all. She's going to step down. And I understand that from all that she's personally been through in regards to the attack on her husband. Uh, we look, know what this. Oh, by the way, Kevin McCarthy has won the GOP nomination for Speaker of the House. So that's that's done. Did that come out? Yeah. Kevin, Kevin okay. McCarthy, like he is, he's won that. Look, a lot of people thought that the Republicans are going to get in and what they're going to start doing, impeaching Biden for walking, impeaching Biden for falling asleep, nodding off, impeaching him for all kinds of different things. It's going to be a lot harder to do without a significant majority in the House. Um, it doesn't mean that our government is going to be functional, but hey, it hasn't been functional to this point anyway. We, we've been in gridlocked. We've been under the tyranny of the filibuster uh, for so long that they, they can't fucking get anything done. I think the most the lasting lesson from the midterms was that this particular Republican Party doesn't seem to be resonating with voters like they thought that they did. And when you look back at the last two or three elections, I'm not telling you guys anything that you couldn't hear on um, on any of the major news talk shows. But I just think it's very interesting that there seems to be uh, there seems to be real confusion as to the direction of the right. Like, it doesn't seem like America, by and large, on the whole, is going to go for fascism, extremism, and election denial. That doesn't seem like that's a winning strategy. But at the same time, there's a core base that is so dedicated and has so much allegiance for President Trump and his musings that you can't win without him. So how do you disinvite people to your party? that you need to show up to have people in it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, they, like how do you, I, I, it's, it's, it's really, it, as far as, it's one of the most, it's one of the most interesting conundrums that I've ever seen in American politics. Like, it's like the whole, the, the whole Republican party is just a primary party great in the primary to get to the general and people aren't trying to hear that crazy shit the dims the, the democrats should have been easy to beat easier to beat like it's things well, are not well, i mean when you look at it i mean well no i was gonna say i think it shows that there's a weakness in the republican party there's a split in the republican party i mean the as you just pointed out election deniers those that were backed by trump did not do well in the midterms so there is this divide from those extremists with MAGA and Trump and election deniers versus more traditional or I wouldn't say moderate, but more traditional Republicans. And I think that that's 
what we have as a, I guess, as a roadmap going forward into 2024. I think Trump announcing the fact that he's running for presidency is the gift and the curse to this party, right? Trump was a gift to them when he announced before. And those same things that they loved so much about him are now those same things that are hurting their party as it stands. And the fact that Trump announced and the fact that donors, big donors, those who are leaders in the party, leaders who, who, who supported him, not even just politicians that supported him before and family members are not standing by him shows that there is a divide within this party. Big time. And that's what we saw in the midterms. There's not just a divide in the party in terms of like uh, from politician to politician. There's a divide in the Republican Party from body to soul. The Republicans were always a very simple party. <laughs> there is. There's they were there was they were always a very simple party to to sum up. And the simplicity was their strength. It was always limited government, limited limited government, deregulation, family values. Somewhere in there is guns in the military. Okay? So those are the things. So all kind of in that scope. Now, when you get behind the veil of politics, they're making your oil buddies profits and there's kickbacks and all of that stuff that everybody does. Limited government, constitution, family values, military stuff. We don't spend a lot of money. You know, we don't cheat. We don't like we're this, we're that. And the Democrats, the problem has always been, or the left, should I say, is that there, there's huge complexities in being a liberal. Like huge complexities in being a liberal. You know what I mean? Like there's all there's a there's a there's so many different factions in the left that want to be heard. Because almost it's it's almost as if sometimes it feels like being a liberal is reactive. And I think that we look at it that way yeah, sometimes. It's more in touch with the people. Yeah, but it's reacting to people. It's reacting to America that's already existed, and something sure. that you know you don't want, right? And that's why it's it's great that we have progressive minds that think about the future and imagine a different future. Because sometimes we could just look at it and be like, "Well, I know I don't want to go back to nineteen fucking fifty five, or I know I don't want to go back to separate water fountains, or uh, gays not being able to get married." Or all this, I know. I know what we don't want, so we're voting against that, right? Um, and I think over the last ten or fifteen years, there's the a lot of progressive ideas have come into the mainstream, and like really ways to challenge the status quo of American existence and and citizenship. And I think that's great. But the Republicans always had a simpler message that was just easily digestible to people who didn't want to think about politics that much, right? It's like. Now, they're complicating things. They are. None, elections don't work. These, all of these books are evil. They're giving, their, they're giving their constituents a lot to think about. They're giving them, it has nothing to do with who they are anymore. To, to me, it's the deep state, QAnon, all of this stuff. They're becoming this almost mutated form of liberalism where there are all of these different factions in there and they don't have a clear, clean message 
for anyone. That's it. And they they they, they don't have a clear. They're telling you, go vote for me, but just know, the election doesn't matter. And you start to think to yourself, well, what the fuck? You know what I mean? They're they're right. they're, they're, they're telling, hey, get up like there, and it's like it's just a. It's a weird thing to where I don't think besides the crazy people who like, when I say crazy, I fucking mean crazy. The crazy people who no longer want the version of America that we're in right now to exist, which I think it's actually probably people, I don't know if I want the same version. I wouldn't say that that's that crazy, but I think you know what I mean. I think beyond those people, just the regular voter who is a moderate centrist on either side, they just can't vote for this shit. They can't vote well, for it. There's no agenda. That's what you, there's no agenda. And even after winning the house, what's the first thing that they say? We're going after Hunter Biden. Like there's, there's, there's no, their whole theme seems to be, you know, uh, going after Biden, going after Hunter Biden. Um, we're going to, the Democrats said this, this is, this is what it is. You know, we're doing this with education. We're taking away women's like it's, there's no, as you said, if it's as simple, if what you're saying is true is the Republican agenda used to be as simple as this, then what, what's being presented to them now, if you're a Republican is, is the complete opposite of that. So I think the fact that there is no, this is what we believe in and this is where we're headed and where we're going as a party has made their party go <laughs> insane. And that's why there's a divide. And with somebody like Donald Trump, who has asserted himself as the leader of the party, said he's back and, you know, is saying the things that he's saying and has said the things that he said is in and is being investigated for the things that he's in, being investigated as, nobody's as hopeful in him as the person to lead the party to the next place as they were before. And him running is honestly a gift to the other side because I'm not sure Republicans want him to run. And if they do put up somebody else, it splits the vote. Rachel, me and you could run and beat Trump. Like literally. Let's go. We could like, we could run and beat Trump. You know what I mean? With all of my precarious <laughs> so browser bad. history, like we could run and beat Trump. Precarious. I'm glad he's back. He's he's back. He's not the leader of the Republican Party. He's the king of it. And he's going to be the king for as long as people like Lindsey Graham choke on his dick. Lindsey Graham came out and said, Trump sounded presidential. And if he's, if he's that guy that he was on the night where he div- delivered a meandering, barely coherent speech, then we, uh, he'll be tough to beat. And I I already started the party for 2024. Because I think I hate Trump more than I like the left. So, 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 like, uh, like it, I already started the party for 2024. Here's the deal. Candace Owens is off the Trump train, or at least she feigned like she was. We'll see what happens. This audio that you're about to hear from Candace Owens is breathtaking. Please play it. <laughs> Not only was he just mad, by the way, he then during a golf session with some mutual friends of ours had a person next to him who was egging this on, saying to Trump, and I know this because, again, this is a mutual friend. Aren't you mad at Candace? Aren't you mad at Candace? Aren't you mad at Candace? And eventually he was like, yeah, I'm so mad at Candace. I'm so mad at Candace. And this got back to me that he was upset with me, that he was angry at me. And the next time that I saw him, he was quite rude to me. He was actually rude to me. 
I'm telling you this personal story because I think it is something that made me for the first time question him as a person. So you have an individual that spent years defending you, right? And that individual gave you a completely kind and fair interview. You said something yourself that your base didn't like, and you somehow transformed that into something that I did wrong. That's unacceptable. So Candace, she's a black lady. You always want to help out a black lady. <laughs> Candace is a black lady. I've talked to Candace before. Like Candace used to. Uh, y'all are friends. Wouldn't say that we're friends. I mean, we're not. I'm not friends mm. with Candace. I'm not friends. I'm saying I was going back and forth. I thought I was gonna, we were gonna talk and go back and forth. And back when I thought it was whatever, but I was not friends with Candace Owens. However, still want to help because Candace is there saying that Trump was mean to her, and because he was mean to her, she questions what kind of person he is. Jesus Christ. How could this be, Rachel? It's not Trump. Mm. So, if Candace had any thoughts on, you know, what kind of person Donald Trump is, we thought we would help her out. We thought we would give her some other instances where Trump has been an asshole. Mm. Because obviously she missed all of these things. Oh. Rachel, she didn't see him. Oh. She did? Okay. No, I'm giving it no. I love that you're giving her the benefit of the doubt. That's benefit. So, so kind. That's our 1989. Trump on the exonerated five. Of course I hate these people. <clears throat> Donnie, run the sound. Of course I hate these people. And let's all hate these people because maybe hate is what we need if we're going to get something done. It's in 1989. Oh. It's nine years old, Candace. It's Trump. I've caught Donnie, run that sound again. This is Trump on no. Exonerated Five. Of course I hate these people. And let's all hate these people because maybe hate is what we need if we're going to get something done. Wow. Okay. Uh, delightful. We're going to skip forward to Trump and a friend of yours, Rachel, having a conversation, a little locker room oh. talk. If you, oh. if you ever thought that Trump might have been less than a nice guy, Candace, just listen to this. I gotta use some Tic Tacs just in case I start kissing her. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. You just kiss. I don't need to wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You just kiss. You just, you just, you can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the pussy. Wow. Now, Candace, you might have heard about that. You might have thought, that's a one-off. There's no way the decent, nice guy known as Donald Trump. See, I'm not a decent, nice guy, so I know a not-decent, nice guy when I see one. Candace, yeah. I'm not. I'm not qualified to be the president, but it's not about me. It's about Trump. Once Trump talked about pageant locker rooms, this is what he talked about. No, I mean, I mean, some of these foreign girls, you know, Mr. Trump in my country, we say hello with the vagina. And <laughs> what you could also say is the owner of the pageant, it's your obligation to do that. So, so you have done that. Now, tell well, me I'll what tell you the funniest is that I'll go backstage before a show yes. and everyone's getting dressed and ready and everything else. And, you know, no men are anywhere. 
and I'm allowed to go in because I'm the owner of the pageant, and therefore I'm inspecting it. You know, I'm inspecting. Right. I want to make sure that like everything is good. You're there. Yeah, the dress. Is everyone okay? You know, they're <laughs> yeah. standing there with no clothes. Is everybody okay? And you see these incredible wow. looking women, and so I sort of get away with things like that. He's still going. Mexicans. All right, I don't want to do this anymore. It's like it's like. Five well, it's just gets worse and worse. Like. <laughs> okay. And the last Candace thing Candace may have forgotten, but we didn't. And the last thing, Candace, Trump is a scientific genius. I remember during the harrowing times of uh, of COVID, we all were searching for answers. We wanted to know what she would, what should we do? Sure. Wear a mask, not wear a mask. Yeah. Can you run outside? Can you get COVID through your computer? Can the virus travel through the internet? All kinds of questions. Will ginger ale solve it? Can black people get it? These are all questions that were litigated. But some of the best ideas came from the stable genius known as Trump. Donnie, play the sound. Right, and then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or or almost a cleaning because you see it gets on the lungs and it does a tremendous number of lungs so it'd be interesting to check that so that you're gonna have to use medical doctors with but it sounds it sounds interesting to me it's a little rundown which is for anyone that just forgot who the man running for president is and what i'm gonna do here because we're gonna play We're going to play Malcolm Jamal Warner's song at the end of the episode, like we said that we would. But before we do that, we have got to play. And Donnie's going to have to put it in post because we don't have it right now. Have you heard Herschel Walker's Fright Night monologue? The vampires. Donnie, have you heard Herschel Walker on Fright Night? Yes, I'm pulling it up now. Herschel Walker is the most amazing person that has ever lived. Wow. I'm serious. Because. I listen to Herschel Walker talk about Fright Night. I've seen the original Fright Night. I've seen the Fright Night remake with Colin Farrell. I don't know what fucking movie Herschel Walker saw. <laughs> it is a the, movie. <laughs> the, I, like, I don't know what fucking movie Herschel Walker is talking about. There are no werewolves in Fright Night. And his head movies. He, he, Donnie, just run it. Just run this. I'm going to tell you to keep the faith. Oh, you ever watch a stupid movie late at night hoping it's going to get better, don't get better, but you keep watching it anyway? Because the other night, the other night I was watching this movie, I was watching this movie called Fright Night, Freak Night, or some type of night, but it was about vampires. I don't know if you know vampires and cool people, are they not? But I'm going to tell you something that I found out. A werewolf can kill a vampire. Do you know that? I never knew that, so I didn't want to be a vampire anymore. I want to be a werewolf. But then anyway, as I'm watching this movie, and then you can tell how stupid it is because it's one in the morning. So I'm watching my TV, are these kids watching their TV or uh, vampire kill on their TV? So you know it's kind of stupid, but I'm still watching though. As I'm watching this show, 
What was funny, these kids had a vampire in their attic at their house. So they were watching their TV. Now I'm watching my TV, they're watching their TV, or they see the vampire killer on their TV. So they win this contest to bring this actor. Now y'all gotta stay with me. Bring this actor who's a vampire killer from that TV to get rid of this real life vampire in their attic. So as this actor comes to their home, he got all the right stuff. He got all the right stuff because you know, you gotta have a state and gotta have a thing to, to kill him in the heart. And he got a necklace of garlic cause that worked. I don't know what it does, but it worked. You gotta have a cross cause it burned. I know that worked. And then all of a sudden, this is what was so funny about it. As they're walking through the house, this, 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 this guy got the holy water. He's blessing the house. This actor, now he's all fake. He's blessing the house with his holy water. They walked upstairs and this vampire looking real good in this black suit. Whoa, that sounds like Senator Warnock, doesn't it? Looking all good in this black suit. Floated from the ceiling. He floated from the ceiling looking good and cool. And I'm thinking, whoa, they better get out of that house. If somebody float from your ceiling, get out of that house. That's, that's not your house. But as he floated from the ceiling, the kid jumped behind that hero. As they jumped behind that hero, the guy jumped in front of him with this holy water, threw it on the vampire forehead. He covered his eyes. And he took his hand away. He started laughing. And he said, that don't work. He took the cross, he put it on the vampire forehead. And the vampire didn't even do anything. He said, that don't work. And that's the way it is in our life. It doesn't even work unless you got faith. It is time for us to have faith. We got to have faith in our fellow brothers. Hey, stop laughing. Stop. Rachel, stop. I swear I'm serious. that was Twilight, scary movie, one of the scary movies. Rachel, stop. Right? Stop. <laughs> See, you don't have no faith. You know what? Fuck it. Walker for Senate. Oh my gosh. We in so much trouble. Uh, something just happened. 75%, 75% of the remaining 3,700-ish Twitter employees have opted not to stay. 75%? There is something happening at Twitter headquarters. Um... Twitter just alerted employees that effective immediately all office buildings are temporarily closed and badge access is suspended. No details given as to why. We're hearing this because Elon Musk and his team are terrified employees are going to sabotage the company. Also, they're still trying to find out which Twitter workers they need to cut access for. Offices will reopen on November 21st. In the meantime, please continue to comply with the company policy of refraining from discussion confidential company information on social media with the press or anywhere. Something dawned on me about Elon Musk. Something dawned on me about Elon Musk. Okay. So, Elon Musk has made a shit ton of money. Okay. How much money is Elon Musk worth? Give me a guess, Rachel. Like, I don't know, like a hundred billion? Two hundred. Okay. Two hundred billion dollars. Is what Elon Musk is worth. Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. Okay. Um. He's interested in a in a really peculiar way. Uh, he worked with PayPal early on. Okay. PayPal is something that people use. But a lot of stuff that Elon Musk is tremendously wealthy for creating or making has very little effect on the average person. 
which as I looked at it, it's pretty impressive. Most people that have made that much money have products that in some way affect the average person's life. For example, Bernard Arnault is worth a shit ton of money. Let's look at let's look at the richest guys in the world. Richest men in the world. Richest people in the world. The richest people in the world. Not in Florida. Why does Siri do that? I know who the richest person in Florida is. Flo Rida. Richest people in the world. Um, okay. So 22 rows. So richest people in the world. It, it is uh this is real time. It is um Elon Musk, Bernard Arnault, uh Gautama Dani, Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Larry Ellison, um, and and so on and so on and so on and so on and so on. You got Larry Page in there, you got Carlos Slim in there, telecom billionaire down there. When you look at the rest of these people, Bernard Arnault and his family, LVMH. So even if you can't afford like Louis Vuitton, like my uncle was feed was like Hennessy's been a part of our for a long time. People drink Hennessy. The average person goes out and drinks Hennessy. Drinks spirits, different spirits that LVMH might have. People's spirits. You look at uh Jeff Bezos, Amazon. Everybody uses Amazon. Amazon is for the common person, right? The common person. Right. You right. look at Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway. He owns a litany of companies. Like Berkshire Hathaway, if you look at as a holding company, what they own, they own like fucking Dairy Queen, put like Duracell batteries. They, so many different companies that you have to have. Like you have, you know, you want a piece of Dairy Queen, go get some Dairy Queen. Want, like he owns a bunch of the airlines, people have to fly, blah, blah, blah. Bill Gates, Microsoft. Obviously, for a long time, everybody had to have Microsoft. Carlos Slim, Telecom, Larry Page, Google. Elon Musk is different in that Tesla is a luxury brand and you have to be sort of rich to have a Tesla. SpaceX, space exploration, all of that stuff, really awesome, right? But that is not really affecting the average person, right? Right. Any of the stuff that he's doing, talking about trying to create the Hyperloop, all of this stuff is theoretical. Like Elon Musk is one of the most interesting hyper-rich people ever because it's not like he owns Walmart. It's not like he owns like Amazon or or like Dell Computers I'm looking at. Like all of these people, media magnets, Nike, you got Phil Knight here, Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook, all of this stuff that people own, the Mars family, he really is kind of like a he's a theoretical billionaire like they're they're obviously really there are real reasons why the stock of these country these companies are valued at so much there's real reasons why he's so wealthy i'm not saying that they're not i'm just saying that elon musk is out of his depth as it relates to twitter because he doesn't know how the average person thinks and moves interesting like he doesn't sure. the the person that can like I was having a conversation with some friends of mine. They're like, "Well, eventually people are gonna have to buy Twitter. You're gonna have to get on Twitter." I'm like, "Yo, man, I know a lot of motherfuckers who will not pay for Twitter. They're not gonna pay for it. I know a lot of people who still ask me for twenty five, fifty dollars from back home. They're not gonna buy Twitter. Right. And and right. and to be honest with you, it's like they're just communicating. Like he's so out of his depth and trying to be." a regular non or make a service for people that people use all the time that like 
somebody who's not trying to fucking go to space or have their car drive to their mama house for him, which, you know, all of that stuff. He's just out of his depth. He doesn't know what average people really want, what regular people who communicate on Twitter really want. And he's never had to know that to make $200 billion. Which is why I think he's had trouble internally with his companies because it seems like he also doesn't know how to talk to the average person. You know, set Twitter for the side. There's also all these issues that are going on within Tesla. It's like he's out of touch with the everyday person, which is why he can send out an email like he did for Twitter, which is what we're talking about, about making people click a, click a link, yes or no, within 48 hours. I think it was 48 hours, correct me if I'm wrong, of are you willing to stay with the company and move forward or not? And as you just reported, 75% of the people were like, nah, there's a disconnect there. And it seems like it's starting to catch up with him. It's interesting. It's nuts. It's nuts. All right, we're out. Uh, no mailbag. We gave you guys a fucking two-hour podcast. Jam pack. We made up. For, made up for missing on Monday. Um, Jam pack. Tuesday. Uh, we're gonna know what happens to Twitter. There might not be a Twitter on Monday. We'll probably be all better off if there's. Are you not. gonna be okay? I've. You're gone, an avid Twitter user. I've gone way down on the Tweety. Okay. I'm not like it's, my mental health is too important. You guys, I love you all. Good for you. Rachel, how are you feeling? Better. I know you are better. Yeah, Rachel, I'll let you. I'll let you take us out in in your in in, in your in your own Rachel sick voice. Take take us out in my own Rachel sick voice, guys. We're so happy to be back. Sorry we missed earlier this week, but we brought you something great this episode. Take a few cats off, but don't stop thinking. I am Rachel and Lindsay. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> supposed to be me my voice sounds so much sexier than that right now so much sexier than that bye